I am uh, trying my best right now to really um, be in this moment and appreciate uh, the experience of being with you all today um, because I will not taste it again for a long time until uh, the winds get cold and the fear of winter is once again on the horizon. Uh, <laughs> sorry to be, be a downer already. And uh, as most of you know, that's because I am uh, going on sabbatical for three months, starting in July, and that will go from July to the end of September. I thought, yeah. <laughs> I was like, pause for a clap here. It didn't happen. Uh, I'm so grateful, I want to say, to be able to give in this opportunity. Um, there are many people to thank. Uh, uh, first of all, the advisory council members, current and going back uh, maybe two or three years, actually. Um, our advisory council is a group of lay leaders who helps sort of set direction and vision, things like that for our church. And one of the things they do is advocate for staff uh, who are really bad at advocating for ourselves. And so they were ones who were like, sabbatical, we should think about that. And slowly over the last couple of years that has germinated and become a reality now. So they're grateful to them. Uh, our denomination, um, specifically the regional body of our denomination, which I'll talk a little bit more about later, um, they deserve a lot of gratitude. Uh, if you don't know, you know, we're a church plant. They've been funding us for, with a lot of money over the years, uh, much less so the last four or five years. Um, but they also were, gra were gracious enough to fund the sabbatical as we asked them to do that. So really happy that they did that and thankful to them. I want to thank uh, Virginia, um, who's been... Yeah. <laughs> Virginia looks very embarrassed right now. Um, I want to thank Virginia for just being supportive of uh, this whole thing the whole time. She's always been like, you should do this, you should do this. And also, she'll be um, stepping up more hours over the summer while I'm gone uh, amongst her busy PhD life. And also, I want to thank Danny, who couldn't be here with us today. But um, Danny's done a remarkable thing, which is you know that he was our student intern during the academic year. And uh, when you're at the UChicago Divinity School, which is where uh, every pastor you've <laughs> seen up here went. But uh, you have to do two internships. One is like an academic year internship, and the other one is uh, summer intensive, which is basically like a full-time job for the summer. And for the most part, I don't think I've ever seen a student do the same internship for their academic year and their summer intensive. It's kind of rare. Uh, but Danny has chosen to do that with us, which means we get a full-time employee person for us this summer while I'm gone. Um, and as part of his internship, and so I don't think, I think without that, I'm not sure this would have been able to happen, so if you see Danny, I don't know, thank him for me. All right, I've been told many times over the last few months that there is no perfect time to, to take a sabbatical, and I, I hold that um, wisdom close because part of me really hates having to leave right now in this moment where it feels like a lot of really great things are beginning to happen in our community. We've just sort of gotten back together in person enough to get our feet w under us. Um, so I, it's, it's not the best time, but also part of me is, is so excited. <laughs> it's been a long 10 years, you know, I think um, it's been a long 10 years doing this work. Um, and so I'm, I'm, great, I'm just grateful and excited and happy. Um, 
With that said, let me just begin by kind of apologizing, which is never a good way to, to start a sermon. Um, but I'm apologizing in advance today because uh, I'm just sort of emptying the notebook out to, for, for you today, right? Um, a lot of preachers live with this temptation to talk about everything. Uh, I'm sure you've been sitting there before and been like, damn, these people need editors or something. But uh, usually that temptation is sort of um, tamped down by the knowledge that we will live to speak another day very soon. Um, but seeing as how it's going to be a little time for me, I'm just going to give in to that temptation fully and, and let it just course through me. Okay. So two weeks ago, we had this thing we call an all-together meeting. An all-together meeting is sort of a this like town hall, plenary session sort of thing that we do. And we use it here in Branch to try and share information and hear community thoughts about important things going on. Sometimes these meetings are great and interesting. Other times they're sort of disjointed and boring. And uh, it doesn't really matter. We believe doing that is important regardless of how it may turn out, right? Why? Well, we don't spend a ton of time here um, talking about things like polity and institutional structure um, because, frankly, and no one wants to hear that, right? It's like really boring, <laughs> just kind of technical. Um, but we are learning more and more, and particularly in this last ATM that we had, that maybe we should talk about it just a little bit more since people who've been here for like eight years are like, I don't know anything. So uh, <laughs> we'll make an effort to do that. The denomination I referenced earlier that Root and Branch has been a part of since we started is called the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. And this little denomination that uh, just about no one you know has ever heard of before, it really it comes out of this sort of 19th century frontier movement in America. Um, and I, actually in Europe too, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, of people who really, really disliked hierarch super hierarchical versions of church. Right, this sort of like very top-down model, priests telling you what's up and you, and you just follow it, uh, all the pomp and circumstance of robing and like these people are better than you and more important or whatever, all that kind of stuff. They were like, we are not down with that. And so our denomination, this denomination, is really um, you know a power to the people kind of denomination. And historically that's meant stuff like anyone can preside over the table, right? Like. You don't have to have gone to divinity school or anything like that. You, any of you can come up here and break the bread and, want, and spill the wine, pour the wine for one another and share it. Um, another thing is that individual churches have autonomy of what they believe and also, I think maybe more radically, autonomy over their assets as well. Um, it means this sort of denominational spirit means that um, you know, common members wouldn't just blindly follow what priests or whoever would tell them, but that they would be encouraged to use their full minds, their gifts and experiences to shape the direction and scope and what rituals and all that stuff that the community does. And now some of those things might seem really unspectacular to us right now, but again, they're like really, really radical. They were really radical things um, in those olden days, and I think still continue to be so in many ways today. So altogether meetings, our advisory council, um, these are ways we try to live into this legacy, right? Uh, but more importantly, 
Um, this is how we actually believe that community ought to function, believe it or not. And not because this model is like the easiest or most efficient. It 1,000% is not. Um, dictatorships and high priests with all the power, like that would be <laughs> easier, more efficient, and so forth. Um, but because we do it this way, because we believe that um, gathering with a bunch of people you would otherwise never know to sing songs and read texts together and talk about our lives or wine and bread and uh, to cry together, laugh together, be awkward together, all those things um, are motivated by something much more than just a kind of desire to be a productive and well-oiled institution. We aspire to this vision of church because we believe there's no better way to actually get to know each other, right? Which I think for me means that there is no better way to actually know God. Um, I've said this before, you this, used this metaphor many times, but I'm saying it again to you today just to, for the sake of repetition seeping into our consciousness. Um, I believe that the face of God is really reflected in our faces, in the faces of one another. And we, uh, our reflections, you know, collectively create a sort of mosaic that when you kind of step back, you get this picture of who God is, what God looks like. No other part, no one part of this mosaic is bigger than the other. Uh, each is imbued with the same possibility of radiance and reflection. Um, to be church, really, for me, at the end of the day, is to get together to practice uh, seeing one another, practice paying attention to one another's faces. And uh, the language is pedestrian there, but this is truly an abnormal and strange thing in this world, right? A practice that requires an immense amount of repetition, intention, again and again. Um, I recently dis rediscovered a fascination with um, Magic Eye. <laughs> Magic Eye Prince. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, they're like these like 3D prints. Um, and you got, like they just look like a weird print and then you have to like kind of look at them in a special way. And then like this 3D image like comes po popping out at you. You feel me? Some of you, some of you may be too young. Okay. My, uh, if you're a 90s kid, then you feel me. So, I, started, I don't know why, I just one day was like, what happened to Magic Guy? And then I started like Googling him and like looking at Magic Guys and trying to remember how to do it well. And, uh, and then um, my wife and I, we just recently moved and I, I kid you not, in the basement uh, above the washing machine, there's a big Magic Eye 3D print framed. Uh, and I was so excited to see that. It felt to me like a sign that the Lord was teaching me something. Now, uh, I haven't actually like looked at it yet or tried to decipher the image. Um, it's in a kind of dank, scary basement. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of irrational fears. I'm just going to look and some like demon's going to pop out on me. So anyway, I'm working up the courage to, to actually look at it and I'll, I'll let you know what it is. But Anyway, if you prefer uh, a mosaic or if you are like me and prefer uh, the metaphor of a magic eye, whatever, you, whatever works for you, um, we see God, 
we practice looking at each other in a, in a particular way that lets that image come through. Right? It's a sort of stance, it's a sort of almost a technique in a way that we practice again and again to see. Over the last many months, our little staff, our little band of outsiders here, we did a lot of thinking about uh, what your faces, the faces of our community were reflecting back to us. And we talked to you, some of you one-on-one -on -one recently about you know big mission stuff. And uh, we talked to, we went back in time and talked to people one-on-one -on -one by looking at old conversation notes through the years, a survey we did. Um, and in doing this kind of broad-reaching examination, what we saw was an image emerging of what this community is and also can be. And then we spent the last two months at an altogether church uh, talking about this stuff through sermon and conversation. So at, the, at that altogether meeting a couple weeks ago, we laid this out for y'all very clearly. Invitation, I, I wish I had made slides, I apologize. Invitation, contemplation, and co-creation are what we see as fundamental values emerging and also challenging this community, right? Um, I won't go into all three of these like in extreme detail, but you know, in invitation, welcoming people of all different types of identities, religious views into conversation with us about important things. Contemplation, cultivating spaces, right, to commune with sacredness in this world with each other, engaging our mind and bodies, deepening our capacity to uh, practice loving others and also probably more difficultly practice loving ourselves. And then co-creation is this idea of building community together. Right? One of our old kind of slogans was we're going from consumers to creators and that sort of captures this idea, right? Co-creation, we do not just consume in this space together, but we actually have power, permission, uh, capacity, talent, ability to actually make it, right? Um, and in doing so, we are collectively sort of going wherever we're led by the Spirit. So these values represent um, what we do well together and what we simultaneously need to strive to do better. Let me say a little bit about values generally and their relationship to Christianity uh, and why I think they're so important. I, I, you may be like me, if you grew up in a certain era in a certain kind of church, the word values feels uh, kind of gross maybe, um, associated with like focus on the family, this notion of like family values and things like that. It's often uh, the right wing Christian culture that really loves to talk about values. Um, and again, when they do so, you get this kind of picture of a idyllic nuclear family uh, looking all happy together, um, intertwined in that a lot of like racism and homophobia and classism and really that image is pretty antithetical to most depictions or I think any depiction I could think of a family in the Bible. Um, we don't need to allow these uh, voices to define what values are like for us, right? Nor should we let that side um, prevent us from doing really necessary and important work. I believe that there is a lot of value, <laughs> sorry, no pun intended, uh, in laying out something like Christian values for us, right? And one, again, that can be radically different than the way that we've heard that before. Uh, 
I really love this quote by G.K. Chesterton, part of our homeschool book, we just, homeschool group we just read. Uh, and he says, Christianity is a thing that gives room for good things to run wild. Gives room for good things to run wild. And that is a direction of values that we can turn to, right? We should articulate our values because when we do, they move from being just sort of like idle chatter and passing thoughts, abstract hopes and dreams, to becoming really the ground that we walk on, the truth that we aspire to live into, a destination on a map that shows us where we really are in that journey. And the opposite is also true, right? When we do not speak these values, what do they do? How often do we hold back and not reveal or commit to something because something that we really want um, because we know that once we put it out there in the world, then the shit really gets, gets real. So naming our values plainly, 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 publicly, passionately, <laughs> PPP, um, it has the power to change us and call us into being the kinds of people we talk about wanting to be, we think about wanting to be, right? I think more importantly, it also keeps us going in a world that um, can often feel like real shitty <laughs> and like there's no hope for the future. If we have values, they allow us to have something to hold on to in those moments and believe in, right? We need to share these things. We need to speak them out loud to one another. Uh, because once we do, we become accountable to them, right? I spoke about this a little bit in a sermon a few weeks ago, but I ran out of time and then just like skipped or moved on. But it's so important I, I've come back to it here. At the end of the day, uh, truly generative, life-giving, love-filled relationship, I think hinges on our ability to hold each other accountable, right? And yet most of us, when we hear that word, um, some part of us, maybe all of every part of us, shudders, feels some dread, uh, maybe wants to run away. Um, yeah, it's like a bad word to <laughs> bring up when you're like having good vibes or something, you know? It's like, let's talk about accountability. It's like, oh shit, okay. I wanna share with you something my wife introduced me to um, back when we were dating, and I've since, I think I've shared it with a few of you here in a, in a group we did together a while back. Um, this is an invitation to reorient and reframe our relationship with this big, scary concept and word, accountability. It comes from the writer Mia Mingus, and, her, and the piece as a whole is called Dreaming Accountability. This whole thing is really good, so I'm just going to quote like most of it, okay? <laughs> what if accountability wasn't scary? Take a breath and let that sink in for a second. It will never be easy or comfortable, but what if it wasn't scary? What if our own accountability wasn't something we ran from, but something we ran towards and desired, appreciated, held as sacred? What if we cherished opportunities to take accountability as precious opportunities to practice liberation, to practice love? Accountability is not a destination, it is a skill we can build and practice. It is an art, a craft, an alchemy we can learn how to wield, just as we have learned how to wield hurt and shame and fear. If accountability is a skill we value, then we must make room to, 
We must make room and make commitments to practice it ourselves each day, each week, each year. What if we embraced accountability as a reflection of our undeniable, incredible, tender humanity, as a magnificent example of what it means to be human and flawed and in relationship with one another? What if accountability wasn't rooted in punishment, revenge, or superficiality, but rooted in our values, growth, transformation, healing, freedom, and liberation? What if we talked with each other about the things we're trying to be more accountable for? What if we built relationships where we could have nuanced conversations about accountability, shame, fear, guilt, embarrassment, insecurity, trauma, and healing? What if accountability wasn't scary? It would never be easy or comfortable, but if it wasn't, but what if it wasn't scary? What if our own accountability wasn't something we ran from, but something we ran towards and desired, appreciated, held as sacred? If you want to read the rest of that, you could just Google dreaming accountability. I think it's like first thing that pops up. I really, what do you, how do you guys feel about that? Any, any thought to share, like a, that was great, or like, I don't know. <laughs> yes. It is not just a kind of um, nice sloganeering about accountability, it is a sort of call to like, um, actually like really reorient <laughs> like your values and what you think is possible and true and what you hope for and dream for. Um, it is hard, like you, Caroline and, and Anna are mentioning, um, there aren't a lot of spaces where this sort of thing is possible. Um, but more importantly, I think, there's not a lot of spaces where these things are named, right? Uh, if there is a kind of posture that we ought to practice and take in order for that image of God to show itself to us, I think uh, one way to describe that posture is one of accountability, right? What is a relationship um, in which we truly, 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 truly see each other? I think what Mingus is saying describes that well. Um, and so, uh, you know, at the very least, we take, I'm urging us to take a sort of step here in the direction of um, trying to discover if this kind of image of community is possible for us. And one way to do that is to not be afraid <laughs> to say something so simple as like, we want that, right? Or that's a thing I want in my life. Saying all these things to you about how um, we want to structure our community and what values we want to live into, and honestly, it's like scary for me, right? Like, what if we fail? What if someone says, like, you're not, you're not doing that well? Like, you say you're inviting, but look what happened here. Or uh, how much work is it going to take to actually manifest these things to their full potential? Like, once we put it out there, like, <laughs> it's like, well, okay, now, it, now there's like a measure of accountability that comes with that. And, that's very nerve-wracking in a lot of ways. It would be a lot easier to just sort of gather and, you know, I'll talk about the, the news of the week and proclaim that God is love and we can call that church, but 
I think Mingus's words remind us that the gifted community contains so much more possibility than, than just that. And I think um, we need to say, if we want it, maybe we don't, but I think we do, um, that we want to know that gift in its fullness. <sighs> anyway, I'll be back in October. I hope that it all goes well. <laughs> Virginia and Danny, you guys are figuring out. It'll be, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there and hope it happens. No. Um, Virginia and Danny do have a lot of really great things planned for the summer months, and um, there will be a lot of focus on exploring these values collectively, an invitation to shape them and make them realities. And um, I'm really looking forward to hearing what happened and how it all looks when I get back. I really, really am. Uh, hopefully I'll be back with some fun stories to share, uh, <laughs> new metaphors about God to, to drive into the ground for you. Um, really, if, I, if I'm asking for some accountability here, I using this space, this sabbatical space, to um, both try to create some new things, one of them being music, I wanna really kind of work on music stuff, um, and the other being a kind of renewal of my spirit. Like, um, I've been out of grad school for a long time, and you know, I feel like I need some journeying to be challenged again by what I read and what I encounter and the ideas that I'm willing to engage with. And so that's gonna be a huge part of it too. So I hope I come back. I'm, I normally wouldn't say this, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to exercise and live this out with y'all, right? Uh, ask me, like, how'd the music go? And if I didn't do anything, I'll tell you that. And you'll be gracious, I'm sure. Um, and like, did you learn anything? I think that's sort of the question that matters to me. All right, so as I'm done here and I leave you with all of that that I just kind of spewed out, I want to just kind of, let's just do a prayer. I think that's the best way to, to finish this out. So if you will pray with me as we sort of think through all that has been said here. God, we ask that we might be a community that learns to hold each other accountable one that does not fear to name what we actually need, what we hope for, what we desire. One is not one that is not afraid to challenge one another and speak out when it needs to be done. And through this work, may we be a community and a church and a place that is able to see you as we practice what it means to see one another. Be with all of these people <laughs> while I'm gone. <laughs> and we pray in your name, amen. Prayer.